You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is time once again for Zero Pucks Given, the Sports Radio WEI Hockey Podcast. I'm Dale Arnold. Uh, a very fine author of a very fine book. Matt Kalman is with us as well. By the way, Zero Pucks Given is brought to you by Red River and Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. And I have to tell you, I, I do give some pucks. I give some <laughs> pucks, probably not as many pucks as I, as I should give. Uh, I don't even know where to start. It's been a couple of months since we've done one of these things, so we'll we'll make this a little more uh, global here to begin with. Uh, the, the trade deadline just passed in the National Hockey League. The Bruins made two deals, one just before the deadline, acquiring Charlie Coyle from the Minnesota Wild for uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Donato and a conditional fifth-round pick. Then the day of the deadline, they acquired Marcus Johansson from the New Jersey Devils, for a second-round pick in this year's draft and a fourth-round pick in next year's draft. Overall, what did you think of the additions? Before or after the game the other night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once you saw that game the other yeah, night, I you realized, Yeah, I noticed wow. you're, you were a little underwhelmed before the game, and then after the game, you kind of liked it a little more. Marcus Johansson, my God, he looked like a guy who probably could have helped the Capitals a couple years ago. You know who he reminds me of in some respects? And Billy disagreed with me on this on the post-game show. He oh, reminds then, me then he a, must be right. a lot of Krejci. In yeah. terms of his patience right. and yep. you know his pass-first mentality, mm-hmm. it's like they've got two Krejci's on the line now. If I'm Jake DeBrusque, <laughs> right. man, I'm getting all the shots. Well, that's just it. You wanted, you, that's what you want to do, right? You got, the, you got the trigger man in DeBrusque. And it's all right if uh, Johansson and Krejci are going to pass the puck a few more times. I think maybe there's a little Louis Erickson there, too. Maybe not as smart, maybe not as defensive-minded, but not to put the two Swedes in the same uh, eggshell there. But uh, I think there's maybe a little bit of that there. And so, you know, I think it helps, too. He's not, he's not coming in with a lot of pressure. I don't think anyone's looking at him as a savior. I think because some people were underwhelmed, maybe with the, with the break. I hadn't thing. even heard his name. There you go. Until until Monday, I hadn't right. even heard his name. So I think it helps, and I think they were also telling him that you know, Pasternak's going to come back, so you're not necessarily even going to be in the top six role here. If you play well, you will, and so it's just kind of maybe an audition for him. You know, he's maybe it helps too. You have a UFA coming in here that wants to uh, impress some people, make some money. And you know what it's like in this town. Uh, he wasn't one of the big names being bandied about. Sure. So for many Bruins fans, Don Sweeney screwed this up. <laughs> I mean, he just completely screwed it up. He didn't get Mark Stone. By the way, I wouldn't have. I, I love Mark Stone, by the way. There's no way in the world I'd give that guy eight years. You wouldn't, by the way, you wouldn't get him for $9.5 million AAV here. There's no state taxes in, in Nevada. It would have been eight years, $10.5 million yeah. here. Look, I think he'd be the fifth best forward on the Bruins. I've got Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, and Krejci all yeah. ahead of him. Well, I'm looking like three years down the road at what he would be for the Bruins, and that's why I, I kind of would would have done pretty much whatever it takes if I really felt this team could get over the top. And I was Don Sweeney, I would have I would have done that. I would, you know, the ten million dollars doesn't bother me. We know that there's ways to get to get around that. We no, know. there aren't. Everybody says that. Well, they were going to sign Tavares for eleven million. That's, they obviously that's had a plan. Bullshit, and you know it. <laughs> Everybody says, "Oh, there's ways to get around it," and then they never give give me what the way to get around it is. 
Yeah, well, the way I mean, that, there's definitely certain certain ways they could have done things to to get him in there, fit him in there. I mean, the the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be feeling it too, though. They're kind of over the cap at this point for next They're year. They're going to so be. That's going to be some trouble for them. But you know, going back to Johansson and, and whether or not he's underwhelming, overwhelming. I mean, I put all these guys in the same in the same basket: Simmons, Nyquist, Zuccarello. To, to me, they obviously were emphasizing size. So that kind of ruled out Zicarella, ruled out Nyquist. And Johansson's bigger than I thought he was. Right, and Johansson's a little bigger than you thought, and that would put would have put Simmons in the same class. And they all kind of went for the same prices, and this is the one they got. And you know, I think I pers- do I do like Johansson's game better than Simmons at this point. Wayne yeah. Simmons, and I've always loved his game. I've always been a big fan of his. He's regressed. Like, I mean, he is basically a power yeah. play specialist at he's, this point. He's regressed now. He's still a very good player. I think if they had brought him here. To just play with Coyle on that third line and not put him in the top six role, that he would have been great there. And you know, obviously, you're not resigning him, so that's no big deal. But Beyond virtually year, no versatility. But no versatility, and that's where Johansson comes in, where he can play any of the top three lines at this point, left or right. He can even play center, and I think that's what they were really they they were valuing size and versatility over what you might get in terms of absolute definite production. You know, if Simmons came here. They were probably going to put him on the first power play in DeBrus' spot and then you know have him skate. Which might not have been such a good plan right now. Right, exactly, the way DeBrus is playing. And that might have actually de-emphasized their, their pursuit of uh, Simmons, knowing that they kind of didn't need his help on the power play. So you would have definitely got some production out of him. Johansson, we'll see how he kind of handles the pressure once it does start to ramp up here. You know, the playoffs will be different, uh, whether or not he can take the, the physicality. And we've seen guys wilt under that before, but uh, at this point, you know, one game, he looks great. <laughs> I'm also guessing that uh, that plans that Bruce Cassidy may have had have now changed. I think he had in his mind that when David Posternak comes back, I'm putting him on a line with David Krejci. I'm going to keep Marchand and Bergeron and whoever. I'm going to keep Krejci and Posternak and whoever. I think this has changed everything. I think Johansson, as that second line right wing, and his ability, despite the left shot, being able to play the right side, you look at that combination and you're saying, that's a pretty good second line. When Pasternak comes back, I'm putting him right back with Marchand and Bergeron. I move Heinen down to a third line role now Mm -hmm. where he's probably better suited. And I kind of like how things balance out like that. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I don't want to say... Anything about Bruce Cassidy's line plans? Because you know what? Bruce Cassidy doesn't know his own line plans. He's pretty good at changing he, things pretty, around. He pretty much he? admitted yesterday he pretty much gave us every scenario. The ones that you just gave, um, Johansson could play with Krejci. Johansson could play with Bergeron. Postanak goes with Krejci. He said he might look at Johansson with Coyle and see if that's a pair and then rotate the third right ring. So he's always in flux. He's the he's the master tinkerer. And uh, But yeah, that's, that's what they wanted. This is what you got. You got the versatility um, that that you're looking for, and and you know it also keeps the pressure on these guys to keep playing well because uh, Heinen's been great in that spot. He could he could drop off. We've seen Jake DeBrusque have some low points this year, so it keeps everybody on their toes. And we haven't maybe maybe we haven't heard from David Backus yet. Let's talk about DeBrusque <laughs> for a minute, who uh, joined the twenty goal club this past week. Uh, you know, becomes a twenty goal scorer for the first time in his career. He started strong. Had a little bit of a lull there for a little while, then had the injury issue. He looks like the Jake DeBrusque that we were expecting. Like he he is he is as advertised right now, and he is one of those guys where if you had young guys who were untouchable, McAvoy is on the list, Vakaninen, Studnika, obviously DeBrusque, Don Sweeney would not trade them. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously he wouldn't. Um, I think, oh, you would. I, well, I think if you got into that, if you were getting into that stone mix, you'd given up DeBrusque for Stone. I, I really are you nuts? I really would have done it. Are you out of your mind? I look at Jake DeBrusque and I see the player he's going to be, and I think Mark Stone is already that player. And if you're really going for the cup, see, I think I, I don't think Mark formed. Stone is going to be a legitimate year in year out thirty goal scorer. I think yeah. Jake DeBrusque is going to be. I think Mark Stone and he's be younger and, and more. I think he's the thirty goal scorer and he's a, he's a two way force. The guy is unreal. You know, if you put him in black and gold and you were watching oh, him no, every I, night, don't you get me wrong. I love the guy. Him. I do. I love yeah, him. I mean, I, I would not have traded Jake DeBrusque yeah. for him and given him ten and a half million dollars <laughs> AAV for eight years. Well, I always just look at it. That's what you have to pay them. I mean, you know, you're not going to expect everyone to take a hometown discount the way Marshan and Pasternak. And maybe that, and obviously that's part of the philosophy here with Sweeney's. He wants guys that are going to take those discounts and fit in. I mean, we've seen Zidane now take a couple of pay cuts, the last couple of contracts, and maybe that's a reason why they didn't go. We also know they they got outbid. I mean, let's face it, Vegas gave them the best package. I mean, Vakaninen's a great prospect, but he doesn't. I'm not match, giving him up. He doesn't match Brandstrom and. Uh, so Ottawa got, Ottawa got what they were looking for, and you know it's hard to say. But I'm, I hate to say that anyone is is un, untouchable. I mean, this summer, depending how things go this spring, um, if you're going to go and, and make the and get the big piece, I mean, this is what I wrote after the trade deadline. At some point, you have to you have to put all your chips in. You can't just rely on these prospects to all develop, be ready at the same time, and be ready within this window you're in, whether they want to admit it or not, there is a window here with Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, uh, Rask. It's a couple of years. It's bigger than many people think. It's probably two to three years, but you have to strike. And, you know, you can't just count on all these kids doing it and carrying you where you need to go. We'll get to Char in just a couple of minutes, but I want to go back to the whole uh, the salary cap and, and yeah. the, the salary slots here. If you go back to the uh, earlier days of the Bruins, the rumor was always that Cam Neely was pissed off that they wouldn't pay anybody more than they would pay Ray Bork. Sure. And felt that Ray Bork was taking less than he could have gotten if he had been more aggressive, and that Neely didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think that Neely and Don Sweeney are doing the exact same thing with Patrice Bergeron. The one guy who's making more than Bergeron is David Krejci, but Peter Shirelli gave him that deal. Sure. I think this current Bruins yeah. ownership and management is saying, I got a real hard time paying somebody more than I'm paying Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I mean that's probably what they're thinking, and if for no other reason, it's not even necessarily a, a, a credit to Patrice. It's about making sure you have cap space and not getting into the area where Peter Shirelli got, where was, where you were giving away Johnny Boychuk. So, you know, you look back at that; it's probably the smart way to go. Um, you know, I, I think I you would hope that they're not worried about chemistry as far as paychecks are concerned. I mean, I think. I don't think anyone's too jealous on the Red Sox of David Price, except, you know, it didn't seem to affect them at all, even though... Well, tell me what Chris Sale ends up getting, right. and you may have your answer. Exactly. So you look at that, you would think that uh, that guys are beyond that. No, and, but my point is, if yeah. Chris Sale goes to, to Dave right. Dombrowski and says, if you think I'm taking less than you're paying that guy, <laughs> right. you're nuts. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, it's dangerous territory, because... Are you only applying that to uh, guys you would bring in from the outside? Because you might, if you could get Charlie McAvoy right now at eight and eight, would you do it? <laughs> it seems it seems steep to me for this second contract. Uh, I mean, the 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 narrative out there this... is that in the off season he rejected uh, a long term offer from the Bruins, right? Because what he's looking at is Aaron Ekblad money, which yeah. was a stupid contract, man. right? But so if th- he wants, if he, now. but if he wants seven and a half million, because that's what yeah. Ekblad got. Aren't you saying if you're the Bruins, 
don't hold us to, to responsible because the Florida Panthers did something mm. stupid. I think there's been... And by several, the way, other GMs think that too, well, not just the Bruins. Yeah, but there's been other several. There's been several comparable defensemen signed since Ekblad that make that money and get that extension and get that many years. And you know what? When he was hurt and he was slow coming back, which he seems to always be when he comes back, he he, he looks kind of pedestrian. Oh boy, when he gets back, he looks good. But holy cow, these last couple of weeks, you see the Drew Doughty coming out in him every day, and uh, maybe better than Drew Doughty the way Drew Doughty's been going lately. And if it, but if you are Charlie McAvoy and the Bruins come to you and say, "Listen, we'll give you three years, mm. seven million a year, mm. and then you're going to cash in huge right. with the one after that." Um, Which is kind of what they did with Pasternak, right, whatever, by the way. Whatever takes him right up to UFA, you can do that. I'm not sure three years gets you there. Whatever the number so is, it's, yes. it's probably four or five. I haven't told it up completely. So, yeah, you might you might be able to do that. It's hard to say. I mean, you look at what, what the I mean, totally different animal with the with the positions, but you look at what Toronto did with Matthews, and uh, you see where it goes. I mean, you take him right – maybe you, maybe you can buy one year of UFA at least if you go a little higher. It's hard to say. You know, you're going to see this cap is going to increase. There's going to be a new TV deal. Hopefully some other things get rectified in the next CBA without a stoppage. You know, the uh, – the, um, They're going to have to give on the Olympics. The NHL have, is. Yeah, they're going to have to give they're, on the Olympics. The Athletic have... had a, a, a player poll that mm-hmm. came out today. They uh, They – polled 198 players in the National Hockey League. And there were a variety of things. Who's the best all-around player in all this? Uh, they said, should NHL players be allowed to play in the Olympics? They had one no vote. Yeah, right. 197 out of 198 players said yes. Which is crazy to me. To me, that that should be the least of their concerns. I mean, as much as I love it, and I under, I understand why they love it. But shutting down the league? As someone who's a CB, you know, as someone concerned about a CBA, there's so many other things to worry about. You know, you're splitting... No, no, I just think that's one of the things right, but that I think, the NHL's going to have to give that, on. I think the players, like you're saying, I mean, there was only one vote on that. They, they, no vote. I think they value it. They overvalue it by a lot. Hopefully, they're not that concerned about it. I mean, worry about more about what's going on in Carolina and Florida and half-filled buildings. You're, you're splitting revenue 50-50. Worry about that. Worry about the Olympics as like a, a last resort here. I mean, this is not the most important thing. But yeah, they're going to have to give on that. And they're going to have to give on give on the escrow. I mean, guys are kind of sick of that. You know, they sign for a certain. You're, you're talking. You brought up with Stone with the with the state tax. That's something they'll have to either for the teams. They're going to have to try to address that to make it more equitable. It's no. It's not a flat. Ground when the Rangers and Bruins are competing with Vegas and Dallas for players that are they can pay them twenty percent more, you know, when it comes down to it, and they're going to have to worry about the escrow. Guys are sick of signing here, let's say, and they're giving X amount in taxes more here, and then they're also giving all this extra, and they're only getting a little bit of it back. Uh, I'm going to give it as a, a stipulation here that this is a good hockey town with good hockey fans. It's one of the best hockey towns in North America, in my opinion. Uh, I'd like to think that the people who listen to this podcast are pretty smart hockey fans. Maybe they're not the people I hear from on a regular basis, on the radio or on Twitter. Why the hell are so many Bruins fans so stupid when it comes to Zdeno Chara? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Maybe, maybe it has something to do with him not making a great first impression. I mean, that first year was so terrible with Dave Lewis and five-man four Twelve checks. years ago, they're still holding that I, against them? I honestly don't The whole know. Norris Trophy Listen. since then doesn't count? <laughs> I actually had a guy I, on Twitter say to me yesterday or the day before, you know, nobody in the NHL would pay that contract. Yeah. <laughs> five million a year? <laughs> I get all cranked up. I start coughing. <laughs> five million a year? Yeah. 
every other team would take it. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, you probably wouldn't get value for him in a trade because you can't really quantify what uh, what he brings to this team. And, you know, it, it took a couple of weeks after this injury to get going. But, again, um, he's the number one defensive defenseman. He's shutting top lines down and and moving great. And look at look at the synergy he's starting to build with McAvoy. I mean, I thought it was great the other night. One guy did actually take Chara wide. Got around them a little bit, and there came McAvoy, the second layer to break in there. They're really starting to learn how to do that, and Charlie's getting um, the confidence to be aggressive like that, to know he can cover up for Z and not feel like he has to leave it to, to Chara to do because you know Chara's proud and doesn't want help on those types of things. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, let's face it. It's, it's been a mystery pretty much forever. I mean, the guy won the damn Stanley Cup. You figure, okay, just like with David Price, not to bring him up again, you figure, okay, people are going to forget all the nonsense that went on behind. Or even with Chara's case, there was there no wasn't nonsense. Any nonsense. It was all made up. But people still uh, stick to their guns. In people hate town, to harass too. I don't get it. We've had uh, we've had a history of, of players performing at unbelievable levels at older ages. David Ortiz for the Red Sox at the age of 40. Yeah. Tom Brady for the Patriots at the age of 41. Chara's a couple of weeks away from 42. He's not getting the credit for what he's doing. How he's playing at the age of almost 42 sure. absolutely baffles other players and other coaches in the National Hockey League. They do, How the hell does he do this? He's playing 24 minutes a night against the top forwards of the other team right? and, and shutting guys down. Yeah, and if, if you read WEI.com, you know that he's doing it on a torn MCL that might not be completely healed at this point. I mean, uh, it was a, a pretty severe tear, and... You, know, you, you, from, you come back from those things when you can play. You don't necessarily come back when they're completely healed. And uh, to see the things he does, and, you know, the other thing it comes back to, I think, is people think for some reason. Now, I wasn't here in the Ray Bork era, so I don't know how Ray, you know, showed off his leadership and, and how he handled that. But people have always said also that maybe he's not the same type of leader. He's not, he's not a, he doesn't deserve the C. He should give it to Bergeron. But I've never met anyone ever Guys who leave the team, guys from outside of the of the team, ever question the leadership here too. I mean, this guy brings so much. No one can set a better example for a team, and no one, you know, everyone was worried that he wasn't going to be able to play with all these younger guys, the Carlos and the McAvoy's. How's it? I mean, no one's been a better teacher and tutor and off and on and off the ice to these guys. So, I mean, he's been everything you want to be, and I think people here are just so spoiled that the the, the one championship for whatever reason doesn't win them over and. Well, they don't and, appreciate it. And I gave credit for Bruins fans for being really smart. And, and uh, honestly, <laughs> most of them really are. We're, we are talking about a oh, vocal yeah. minority of the, people the here. The Twitterverse is so well, we had a couple. Uh, we had one on Twitter reach out to both of us. Thought, He's only got one goal and seven assists. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's I how I'm going to measure what Zdeno Chara brings to the table here. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, not to switch topics, too, but I think it goes to Tuka Rask, too. I mean, you, if you watch that overtime that the Bruins played in St. Louis on Saturday and saw those saves that Tuka Rask made on Tarasenko and Schwartz and how he saved their—, their I mean, if, if you're a Bruins fan and you watch those five minutes of overtime and think about the career of Tuka Rask here and the numbers he's put up and the things he's accomplished and you don't appreciate him, you're, you're really going to be sorry when this is over because there's no telling what's down the pipe for goaltending I hear it with the all, Boston Bruins. I hear it all the time from people on the radio, oh. on Twitter, here on the text machine. The Bruins will never win anything <laughs> with Tuka Rask. Yeah, I mean, you can't measure it on that. Carey Price hasn't won anything. We talk about that all the time. There's a lot of great goalies. Without their name on the And comp. ironically, that, that athletic poll I told you about, 198 yeah. players in the NHL, 
Uh, they were asked, if you could pick one goaltender to start Game 7 of a playoff series, who would you take? The majority took Kerry Price. Wow. Who, to your point, has never won anything. Right. And he's only been to the third round once, I think. It's and not, a great player, by the way. Yeah. I'm not. That, that's not my point. Exactly. There's a lot of great goaltenders. I mean, look at the guys who have won the Cup. Uh, Jonathan Quick and Corey Crawford. And these aren't guys that uh, you necessarily think of when you think of the great goaltenders. And their numbers barely stack up to, you know, whether it's Tuca or Price or any of these guys. It's There's one Stanley Cup a year, and... It's hard to win, as we know. It's only they've only won once in uh, in the forty something years since the Bobby Orr era, and you know you, they just celebrated twenty fifth anniversary of the ninety four Rangers, and it's all great that they celebrate that, but they've now won one in seventy nine years. So you know, it's it's hard to win. I go back to that game the other night, and uh, and I watch Zdeno Chara with Evander yeah. Kane. It started. Kane took a run at Tory Krug early on. Chara said something to him. Uh, he went after, I think it was a Chari, out near the uh, penalty box area. Chara gets right up, and, and you could see him. He's yelling at Kane, if you want somebody, I'm over here. Kane wouldn't even look at him. Later on in the game, Kane kind of gives him a little nudge. Chara levels him with a hit that player safety looked at and said, no, this was perfectly clean. Kane said it was a headshot. Kane, as Chara's skating away, grabs him from behind, pulls him to the ice, Unfortunately for Evander Kane, Chara got up. Exactly. And, and I've had guys, Andrew Ference, in the course of our book that, right. that I was writing and you sure. were helping me with, Andrew Ference said, you have to understand something. He could literally kill somebody on the ice. He could kill somebody. I wouldn't fight with him. I mean, no, no sane human being would fight with him. No. And guess what? Evander Kane didn't want to fight with him. Exactly. I thought, you know, I thought the initial play that started that, where after the hit, I, you know, to me, even though he didn't skate the length of ice to do it, it kind of reminded me of Sean Thornton, Bricks, Orpik. You grab a guy from behind, you start punching him. Yeah, that doesn't really uh, adhere to any code. Except he's six foot nine. So, about. oh, well, go ahead, you yeah, can do it. Too. Well, that's just it. Well, in a way, it's more dangerous because he's got a lot, lot farther to fall. I mean, Char hits his head on the ice there. It could be some big trouble there, and I didn't uh, appreciate that at all. And I think that's why uh, whatever beef Vander Kane had with the officials over the non-call, whatever beef he had with Char on the hit, he kind of lost all more high ground there by pulling the guy down from behind. And you want to square off with him, square off with him. But uh, that's a Vander Kane, right? I mean, we've seen this plenty of times. Hopefully one of his teammates threw his clothes in the, in the shower afterward. <laughs> all right, let's get to some uh, Twitter questions. You put okay. it out there on Twitter. Sure. I put it out as well, and we said, you know, if you guys want to ask us some questions, we're, we'll at least try to answer them. I'll give you the first one from Spencer. Uh, Spencer writes, <clears throat> what's the insistence on shoving David Backus into a top-nine role and giving him power play time? He's a black hole, and it destroys the offensive contributions from that third line and second power play unit. I'll start here by saying, okay, if you don't want him in a top-nine role, who do you want to replace him with? Well, there's always a clamoring for Solaric, and I think you'll probably see some more Solaric down the stretch, whether it's in for Bacchus or Nordstrom down the stretch here. You'll see him spotted in there, I think. Bruce Cassidy, no, or Cassidy and or Sweeney, they have this feeling that David Backus still has something to give, and I think David Backus is. It's thinking, a lot less than it was, and I and I freely admit that. My right. point is simply, he's on the third line now. Right, and it's kind of the fourth line, right? It really is. So tell me who on the so-called fourth line yeah. you want to replace him with? Well, exactly, and I think at this point, uh, you know, on the second power play, he is a net front presence. 
Sometimes he is a little bit of a black hole because he tries to take a shot from a stupid place and it gets the, the play gets ended. But, um, you know, five on five. And I think, you know, actually David Backus told me this today, and this will be on WEI.com, that he feels like the Bruins got Charlie Coyle for him. Oh, they did. I don't they're, think there's any doubt. They're saying, here's a guy that could play with you, 6'3", 220. This is a guy you want to play with, a heavy player. You guys can chip, chip pucks deep and grind to your heart's content. Hopefully you give us some goals. And we'll see how it works. And you can't see if it works if you don't play David Backus. You're not losing anything here right now. You're in a race for second place, but it's not killing you. And he, as long as he's not hurting you, it's fine. A uh, Twitter question from Sam with two M's. Uh, why do you think Matt Grizzlick is so underrated? Do you see him moving into the top four in the future? I think he's still growing. Unfortunately, he's not. Uh, that was my interjection. <laughs> Maybe he's growing uh, uh, yeah. like a metaphorically And speaking. will be a phenomenal defenseman. I'm not sure if he's a top four defenseman. Yeah, I I love him as a player. I think he's come a lot farther than I thought he was going to when, when they first brought him in. Clearly, the changes in the league have helped him. No one would have given him the time of day five years ago in this league, but you can be smaller and play now. But uh, I don't feel like he's underrated or overrated. I feel like he's what he is. He can play top four sometimes. I mean, it's hard to say whether the, he's a top four, top six, because the Bruins are going to interchange those two right. bottom pairs. I mean, whether it's going to be Carlo Krug and Grizzly Miller, or you might switch those, and it depends what the matchup is, who you're playing. One's going to play a little more than the other. But they're all going to play pretty much balance, and I think he fits in well here. And I'm not – he's one of the guys that people try to tell me is on this untouchable list, and I say no, no way. No, no, this no. is a guy who – And I like him too, by the way, piece. but he's exactly. not untouchable. I mean, your defensemen that are untouchable right now, I've said this on Sunday Skate, McAvoy, Carlo, Vakaninen. That's the future of your defense core. Everything else, you, you, you mix and match and whatever you can do. Uh, Chris Blackie tweets out, who is your pick for seventh player? I always, <laughs> I always feel obligated, by the way, to, to make sure people understand that this is the player who has performed above and beyond expectations. Yeah. So David Pasternak hasn't performed above and beyond <laughs> right. expectations for me. There are a couple of guys who I think are legitimate candidates. Okay. You've mentioned one already. Yeah. Brandon Carlo. Sure. I think he's the most improved player on the team. Definitely. He's definitely performed above and beyond expectations for me. He's been their best defenseman. I mean, their best. I know people don't believe it's... it when I say that. If you're talking about complete whole game, he's been their most consistent defenseman this year. Absolutely. And who's the other one? Chris Wagner. Okay, yeah. Definitely. I had no expectations right. when they signed him. I mean, yeah. I knew who he was. That's sure. I don't mean that. Right. Uh, he's given me more than I ever expected. Yeah, and especially after that start to the year, you didn't think you were going to get any points out of that line. And now you've got nine out of him, and however many, many you've got out of the other guys, that's pretty good. I mean, I think the other one that I've seen mentioned and would maybe I would lean toward would be Halak because save the, so he really saved their rear ends at the beginning of the year. And a little bit of a blip here in the midseason, he's but back. Now, now he's back in form. And he's like the Undertaker it's... sitting up in the middle of the ring. You know, <laughs> he's back. He's he's alive. Well, I don't know that. But... Well, trust me, <laughs> it's a good metaphor here. Just go with uh, it. And anyway, so you know that's that's obviously a guy who was definitely exceed expectations because you didn't expect him to yep. to. He was leading the league in save percentage goals against the first half of the season. Uh, Michael James Dolan tweets: What Bruins forgotten prospect? has the best chances of turning things around and proving doubters wrong. Sinitian, Zaboral, someone else? Yeah, I saw this one, too, on Twitter. It was really hard to kind of think. I mean, if you're if you're leaning on those two guys, I would go Zaboral because I think defensemen sometimes just take a little longer to, to produce, and I think you could at least salvage a, a third pair or even a, a, a tweener kind of yep. defenseman out of Zaboral. He could be a, a shutdown guy or a stay-at-home guy on a second pair with a Tory Krug-Mack-Wizzick type. 
um, Sinishin. I don't I don't really know what planet he's on at this point because um, supposed to be a scorer this year. They talked about him being penalty killer. He's put up some points in Providence. I don't know exactly where he, where he goes from here. And then beyond those two guys, it's it's hard to say with prospects whether you what, what was it turnaround or something that he's the right, term. Right. It's hard to say that because pretty much all their other top prospects are either doing well in the places they're at or they're they're just really starting out. So it's hard to even like put anybody else in that category at this point. Jarrett tweets, uh, when Pasternak is healthy, who sits? And obviously, <laughs> the possibilities here is you've got, you've got Nordstrom. Uh, Heinen's not going to be sitting. I guess, theoretically, you could throw Bacchus into the mix, right. possibly, if Pasternak yep. is back. Who do you think? I think that's, that's the competition right now. It's a Nordstrom-Bacchus kind of uh, competition there. And then, I guess, a little bit of Nolachari, because he has sat before, too. And you can easily shift, you know, Corrali to the middle. Nordstrom goes on your fourth line. I mean, uh, I know Noel's value isn't in his production, but he doesn't produce as much as those other two guys have right. in this. And so, if he you, does bring other things to right, the table. Absolutely. And he's been, that line has obviously clicked, regardless yes. of who's getting the points they're getting him. So, it's, it's, it's really a tough thing. But definitely, Bacchus is there. I mean, they're not going to play Bacchus just because $6 million or leadership. He has to produce, he has to earn that spot. And that's why they added all this versatility and depth. Adam Austin tweets, what, if any, is the Bruins' biggest weakness or area that Sweeney didn't adequately address by the trade deadline? I mean, I think, quite honestly, we were thinking he needed a third-line center Mm -hmm. and a top-six wing. Yeah. And I think he got both of those things. Well, we'll see. I mean, Charlie Coyle's had a lot of chances in Minnesota to prove he could do this, and they played him on the wing a lot, too, I understand, but... Um, if he had shown what he showed the first few games here in Minnesota, they probably wouldn't have traded him. He, they could have really leaned on this guy. I mean, Johansson, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Yamir Yager scored in his first game as a Bruin, and we know how that went, so you never know how these things go. And, you know, I still hold firm to if you're talking about whether they're going to win the Cup, I still don't like the left side of their defense for a cup run to go all the way Especially and win with a championship. two five foot nine inch Exa- defensemen just, on that side. I just want to see a, a two way. Guy with size on the left side behind Chara, and then you have a Grizzlick or a Krug in your third pair. I can't see them winning the cup with the defense the way it's built. Ted tweets Do you think the Bruins will bring back Chara again next year on a one year deal? And if so, at what price? It's pretty much agreed on. What he what he has here now is the Tim Wakefield deal yeah. with the Red Sox at the end, which basically we'll roll help. it over every year. It, it'll be it'll be a one year deal for five million dollars, mm-hmm. which is what he's playing under this right, year with the bonuses. Right. Exactly, it's not really uh, five at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think they'll bring him back, and I think it'll be a one year deal for five million dollars. You really have to. How do you replace that at this point? You still don't have the guy that replaced that, and not many teams do. I mean, uh, you have to just do it, and the guy. I think even if the fans that we're talking about don't appreciate him, I think the organization does. And it would be pretty kind of silly to watch him skating around in like a Dallas Stars <laughs> sweater at this point or something. I don't know. Uh, Mike tweets to us. He says, I hate that the Bruins could be a top five team and have to play two other top five teams, including the best team in the first two yeah. rounds. <laughs> this will get me going on, on my playoff oh, rant in the NHL. Ugh. This is the dumbest playoff system in professional sports. It's the worst. It makes no sense whatsoever. And the fact that they stick to it is just a sign of Gary Bettman's stubbornness. I mean, let's face it, one through eight was the way to go. They talk about rivalries. What was a bigger rivalry just five, six years ago than Bruins Flyers, where they were meeting in the playoffs every year? And you still had the occasional Bruins Canadians. You still had enough of these other rivalries. 
uh, now that you're going to set it up. Now again, we're going to have to Boston, Toronto every year now, and then they've they've completely, you know, cut off half the league. And so you play Toronto. Uh, Let's say you're lucky enough to get by them. Congratulations. Now go play Tampa yeah, Bay. Yeah, and, and the West is the same way. Look, every time I think of Winnipeg, Nashville, I always think that that was the final last year, but it wasn't because they played in the second round. I mean, those were your best two teams the whole year in the West, and they had to get, they had to go out in the second round. It's crazy. Todd tweets to us, is Studnika able to join the Bees before the end of the year and the Bees don't lose a year of control? Yes to the first thing as soon as Niagara's done. When they're done. No to the second thing unless, I mean, yeah, if he joins Boston, he has he burns a year. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I wouldn't count on that, too. I didn't, I didn't know if this guy thinks this guy's going to happen. I mean, great player right now, not NHL-ready strength-wise. I mean, We've seen it already with Ryan. I've seen the highlights. I mean, we've uh, seen it with Ryan Donato. You can't just step right into the NHL in the playoffs. I mean, Charlie McAvoy, yeah, was a uh, a revelation, and we don't know how he would have held up if they got past that round. It was one round. Um, Stanika is not. I mean, he might be by next summer, but he needs a good summer this year. As you as you prepare to go into the playoff season, and once you hit the first of March, you're in the playoff season, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, your confidence level about this team, and we just pointed out that. As things stand right now, they got to play Toronto in the first round. If they get by Toronto, they get to play the Tampa Bay Lightning, the powerhouse buzzsaw in the, in, in the entire league. How do you feel about them getting by the Toronto Maple Leafs? Oh, I love it. I mean, Especially if they have home ice. The Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. Look at, look at the Maple Leafs. They add Tavares. The Bruins played how much of their season without Bergeron and Chara, not to mention the whole now defense Pasternak. core. Now Pasternak's out, and you're still ahead of them. So what does this say about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the team they've built? It says that they still don't have a scary defense core. It says that they still rely on Morgan Riley to be a shutdown guy. And Jake Muzzin, I mean, I think he would have been a great addition for the Bruins. He's been a great addition for them still. They have Jake Gardner playing way too many minutes when he's healthy. They're just not better than the Bruins. Are you concerned about, uh, not that Pasternak will come back, I think he will, but I am concerned... Yeah. With a thumb. Absolutely. You know, the whole thing, he'll be in a cast for a little less than two weeks. Then yeah. they'll splint him. Then they'll see. Oh. I mean, it, it's the top hand. It's not the power hand, but it's the control hand on the stick. There's no doubt that this is going to affect him, and we'll have to, you know, we've seen it happen with other guys. I mean, Char had a finger in the jury a couple years ago, and that's why he stopped taking slap shots for a while. This is this is going to be a By the way, a which all adjustment. of the forwards on the team thanked him for, yes, I think. Exactly. Guys in front of the net going, oh, God, no, don't wind up. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt this isn't going to be stepped right in and be David Pasternak again. I mean, it might be, but you have to really be concerned, more concerned than Don Sweeney sounded when he was asked about that the other day. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to get used to the brace, and we've seen guys, whether it's their knee, their hand, their shoulder, they put on these braces. They have to find different ways to get things going. And for a guy who relies so much on that one-timer, it's going to be hard, and uh, that's why you have to hope that uh, other people are ready to kind of pick up the slack. And maybe that's why he ends up with Berger on a Marshan, just because you don't want him to necessarily have to be the driver of a line when he's trying to do this. Uh, as we tape this, it is the afternoon before the Bruins play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, there are two teams in the entire NHL who have not lost a, a game in regulation in the entire month of February. It's these two teams. Uh, these are clearly the two team, the two best teams in the East. Uh, they are two of the three or four best teams in the entire National Hockey League. It is an incredible regular season matchup and likely a playoff series preview. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, unless you're the Bruins and you're really wishing, hoping that Tampa gets upset. 
I mean, that's that your would be a great thing. That's your best bet right not now. Not what I'm counting on, though. <laughs> I mean, we've seen how many times have we seen the, the one seed go down in this league? You never know what's going to happen. I think I've had actual scouts tell me that Tampa doesn't really scare them in the playoffs, that their defense core maybe is a little bit exploitable, and that if you have the right amount of offensive firepower and grit, you can maybe take them down. And I've seen enough of their games to see how much their goalies, both of them, Domingue and Vasilevsky, have kind of saved their rear end some nights. I mean, there was a Toronto game where they made they had to make like 53 saves or something like that. They're so. probably, though, going to have the MVP of the league yeah. in Kucherov Absolutely. and the Vezina Trophy winner in Vasilevsky. Yeah. But you know what? Playoffs are such a different game. We've seen it so many times. They can't adjust. And that's what makes Vegas last year so much more amazing that they were able to translate what they did in the regular season to the playoffs and, and pretty much you know run roughshod over the West because you could say the way they were playing in the regular season last year wasn't playoff, necessarily going to be playoff worthy. But, um, hey, it could, it could happen. You never know. They could be playing the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. Sounds like a, a tough matchup that to would me. Be, yeah. Uh, Matt Kalman was the co-author of my book, um, If These Walls Could Talk Boston Bruins. I, I, I have no idea if people have bought it or not. They don't tell us these things. I think things. everyone's bought it, absolutely. I, I have no yeah, Every person on the planet has bought our books. <laughs> and if you, When they finally settle up with us, I'm retiring. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Yeah, come on. I mean, get out there and buy the damn thing. Uh, it, actually, I've been kind of heartened by the... Uh, the, the the return from people about it. Oh, it does sure. seem it seems to have been received fairly well. Absolutely. Uh, it was fun talking hockey with you again. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. We will not be as long before the next edition. <laughs> uh, by the way, Zero Pucks Given is brought to you by Red River and Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Matt, I'll see you at the rink. Sounds good. Good see to you talk there. to you. Matt Kalman, Dale Arnold, Zero Pucks Given.